Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, and my guest this week is Lisa Howard, Global Head of Advertising and Marketing Solutions at The New York Times. The New York Times made a big pivot to subscription revenue a few years ago that's handsomely paying off, and not just in its ability to amass 10 million paying users. The subscription pivot has also supported the Times advertising business, which is now fueled with a rich pool of first-party data. According to Howard, a healthy subscription business also allows the Times to sell more high-quality advertising. Howard chats about how the Times is working with brands across its portfolio and shares her view on the future of the media business. Hi, Lisa. How's it going? Hi, Allison. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. I'm, I'm glad that you're here on the show today. Thanks for doing this. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm definitely very uh, excited and kind of geeking out to be talking on a podcast with someone from the New York Times whose podcast I am completely obsessed with. So thank you for indulging me in that. <laughs> well, well, thank you. And I have to say I'm a big fan of campaigns, so it goes both ways. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. So you recently moved into a new role at the New York Times. Tell me about what you were doing before and then how this new role came about and, and what about your responsibilities will be different. Sure. Well, I've been at the Times for six and a half years, and I've been in the advertising org that entire time running a portion of the business. And uh, when we acquired The Athletic, my predecessor in this new role, Seb Tomich, moved over to be the chief commercial officer at The Athletic. So really kind of um, lifting off the advertising and overall commercial strategy for that acquisition. And uh, so we, um, so I stepped into his role about, I guess about two months ago. And, um, and it has been a fast uh, ride since then. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about a little bit about, you know, some of the responsibilities you've now taken over and some of the things that you're you're most focused on. Sure. So the area of the business that I really uh, didn't oversee in my other role that in my previous role that I oversee now is um, T-Brand Studios. I had I already uh, had responsibility for our revenue operations and our product marketing and our B2B marketing teams. And of course, the sales teams as well. Um, and we have about, I guess that was about 250 people. And now with the whole organization rolled in, that's about 400 people. So it's a big group, around, um, you know, scattered kind of around the world um, from Asia to the UK and mainland Europe uh, to all over here, the, all over the United States. And the thing that, you know, I'm really tasked with and that I'm also very excited about in, you know, as part of this new role is, first of all, from a company perspective, we're at this really interesting moment because we are scaling our strategy now company-wide. We're scaling it beyond news, which is always kind of the heartbeat of the place. But we've made acquisitions, as I mentioned earlier, like The Athletic, and we have a big um, cooking and food platform. Uh, we have a games platform now. I don't know if you're a Wordle fan, but we acquired them and we had an existing kind of franchise around crosswords, around Spelling Bee, which is my personal favorite game. So really building up what I like to call healthy games. Uh, we also have shopping with the wire cutter. So we're just acquiring and growing. And it's all part of this idea that 10 or, 10 or 12 years ago, 
the company embarked on this kind of mission to prove that that digital news could be worth paying for. And we've proven that out, you know, the current day, um, I think, you know, it's the industry is really headed in this direction and, and we lead, we're the largest. And so now it's about scaling that ambition. And, you know, there is an addressable audience for news and then there is addressable audience for news and, right, people's other passions around their lives. So that's really what the journey that we're on right now and what um, kind of the company uh, objective is right now. For, for my part in advertising, it's really about this unlock that we've kind of recently figured out around uh, the marriage of subscriptions and advertising. And so how do you kind of have, we're, we're subscription first, have been for probably five years now, just really kind of very clear around that being um, the thing that we're organizing ourselves around. And then so the role, the question was, what is the role of advertising, right, in that, in that world? And the role of advertising is actually a critical one. We know that now. We're about um, two-thirds of our business is subscription revenue, and the other third is advertising revenue, and it's growing. And we're very excited about that because we've kind of found this magic sauce around uh, creating an ad experience that is premium and that isn't in conflict with that subscription business. So it means, you know, how do we think about uh, creating the most premium ad experience right in the industry. And I think someone a long time ago who decided to, you know, create advertisements digitally, uh, wasn't very ambitious in my, (laughs) in my, um, in my point of view, we really have this, this opportunity to kind of be on the right side of the consumer, the reader, if you will, and now the subscriber in terms of getting, making ads additive, making them a positive part of the experience instead of being annoying or disruptive. And so this is the moment that we're in and, and, and we're leaning very heavily uh, on the ad product side and um, on our innovation side around uh, really kind of making the right choices on behalf of the consumer. And in the end, the interesting, uh, kind of outcome of that has been that the competitive differentiator for us has become that that we have this very premium, very performant ads business. And Mm. so, you know, that's, that's a lot of where my energy is going these days. And then the second area where my energy is going is around our data strategy and really creating the most durable data strategy that is also um, proprietary and, and also on the right side of the, the consumer. Yeah, I definitely want to get into the data strategy. That's really interesting. But but first, um, I just want to follow up on what you said about like you're you're able to create premium and thoughtful ad experiences because you have a, such a strong subscription business. Tell me a little bit about like what those ad experiences are. What's what's resonating with readers? Um, what do you find maybe isn't working so well? And um, talk about you know some of the innovation and ways you're reimagining it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's actually a few, we're a few years into it now, so I feel like we have both a plan for the future and some examples of of kind of what we think works. Um, one of the earliest things we did was uh, it cost us a lot. Actually, we made some hard decisions about what we were not going to do. Right, so we, for example, removed open programmatic from mm, our I app experience. That. Right, that was a couple years ago. 
we also removed on our desktop experience the any right rail ads, and we created what we call the Flex Frame, which is this new ad format. It's a couple years old now for us, but we've got now 15 templates. So we're always kind of testing and launching new templates within this kind of canvas, if you will. That is a big canvas. We have one unit called the Flex XL that um, you know is is really large, and in, on your mobile device, it's actually it takes up the whole screen. So the idea of it is that if you can create compelling creative within that canvas and have fewer of those units, right, then you have this kind of fewer, better strategy. And and right. so we literally only have one ad about every four paragraphs. So that the idea is there's this consistent, more elegant kind of experience and leaning into both the targeting and the creative, right, right place, right time, right message, um, you know, within those flexible canvases really has turned out to be um, performant for us. And when you layer on our first party targeting, you know, that really has has uh, created a lot of opportunity for our ad partners to really showcase and, and get the performance that they're looking for. And then I'll just say that it, within the Flex Suite, there are kind of those 15 templates are in four areas, like storytelling, video, shopping, interaction. Those are kind of the four areas. And so the, 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 you know, and you can even run video in there. It's very flexible. We've, we launched a new one called microfilm. So there's just a lot that you can do in there, but those ads are kind of unapologetically big. They're just very considerate of Mm -hmm. the experience and very consistent and we're not reorienting the page when we load them, et cetera. So it's a, um, you know, really user first, consumer first, ad experience. Yeah. Quality over quantity. It sounds like. Um, so I want to um, talk to me about the first party data and how you're using that for advertising, because I mean, obviously you have tons of first party data based on your, on your subscribers there, because that's literally the definition of a, of a subscriber, right? They're exchanging their information and their, uh, money to, to access your content. Talk about how you're um, building your data strategy. Sure. So you know, I, I, I want to first say up front, not every media company is going to have the resources that the New York Times has to be able to build this out on their own. So acknowledging that, of course, um, I'll share kind of how we how we built this. Um, I guess in 2017, we started the journey. 2018, um, we started hiring, um, you know, our team of data scientists to build this out. Uh, it's backed by our first party data structure is backed by our subscriber data data. And it's scaled now to over 100 million registered users with over 100 targeting segments. And we use no third-party supplements to our display targeting. And so the the data scientists that build all of this, there are over 100 of them, and they've spent the last few years kind of perfecting, uh, not trying to figure out every target, every segment we could possibly target, but figure out actually what is working the best and leaning into those. So we, we gained a lot of information through those 100 million registered users and then we were able to model off of that, create those really performance segments. And that combined with our digital flex frame has, is, is the thing that is really working and people are leaning into. So do you find that um, the subscriber business like bolsters your ad business? Because I feel like there's, you know, when the New York Times made that bold statement, like we're, we're going to be a subscriber business, right. um, 
there was a little bit of like fear in the ad world, right? Like, what does that mean for us? But do you find that the two um, like fuel each other? Absolutely. Like that has been the unlock here. The the really, and I, I mentioned this up front, like subs plus ads, that marriage, you don't have to necessarily, and I know, you know, every medium is different. And I know this is a big topic of conversation with the streamers and, and some others in this moment. But what we found for our business, we don't have to compromise. It's not one or the other. We are in a really expensive operation here where, you know, it's, it's completely original content, independent journalism. We have over 2,000 journalists around the world publishing from, in any given day, you know, publishing from 160 or 170 countries out of the 220 or so in the world. So, like, it is a big, expensive operation. And what we found is that we need both. And so, how do we kind of make decisions on both sides of the house that are first uh, mindful of our subscriber and or our reader, and second, create a really compelling experience um, and a performant experience for our brand partners. And that marriage is, um, you know, I think why at the end of last year, um, we haven't reported our first quarter this year earnings, but at the end of, of last year, um, you know, our, our, we had our largest quarter ever for digital in Q4 and, you know, our, our print and digital together increased 27%. So our business performance has, has really kind of reflected the, you know, four or five years ago, the decisions that we made uh, around, you know, setting up for this moment. And so I think a lot of that was driven. It was yes, indeed, driven by the first party data and also driven by our audio products, and, mm-hmm. you know, the third area that really kind of um, helped, you know, ensure our success is these kind of big partnerships that we have on the multi-platform level with marketers. So those those kind of three things together really, you know, kind of gave us this um, this opportunity to not only, we you know, to use the healthy business that we have to kind of reinvest in the things that we know are working. And so now we're really um, scaling that. Yeah. So, so talk about that third piece, that uh, multi-platform engagements with advertisers. I know you mentioned that you also oversee T-Brand Studio. Um, talk about some of the more like customized, like bigger picture things that you do with brands. Yeah, so we have a part a few partnerships and and you know we don't I think we don't do this um, in a lighthearted way. Like we're not always out looking for the next big, never been done before thing. That's just not um, how we operate. We, um, you know, we've found kind of what works, and we're going with that. That said. Uh, there are cases where there are partners out there, Google being one of them, where uh, the the things that they want to accomplish align with some of the things that we want to do. Facebook uh, and their AR project being another, right? These tend to uh, align around uh, technological innovation. Um, so with Google Pixel, for example, we leaned in and um, and used their pixel technology uh, to um, create uh, their pixel technology that launched last year around images and um, reflecting the true uh, skin tone. 
of people. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we, you know, worked on that with them, incorporated that with them, incorporated it into our uh, journalism. And that's the kind of thing that benefits all parties, right? So it has to be something that, uh, you know, both partners are looking at doing. We don't just do it uh, in order to secure revenue. We do it because it's additive on the whole. And uh, those are right. usually multi-year. They're usually uh, big investments and there are a few of them. So, you know, roughly on one hand or or in, in a in a really uh, kind of interesting year, maybe, maybe starting to get into two hands, you know, the number of, of partnerships that we have at that level, but really specialized. Mm, yeah, that's really cool. It's sort of like, almost like making an investment together in like new forms of storytelling and, um, you know, different ways to, to um, use, use the technologies that they're creating. And, and I'll say that there are different kind of levels. You don't have to, you know, be, um, you know, kind of in, in that kind of long-term huge commitment with us uh, in order to kind of tap into T-Brand Studio, right? We're, we're doing all kinds of interesting things in the studio around filling those canvases with partners, right? I talked about the flex suite and kind of the storytelling that we have there. So we have creative right, right. strategy, we have creative teams, we have strategy teams, and we have planning teams that uh, take our advertisers' objectives um, and they kind of uh, use the insights that we we can pull from our reader data and they top that with our um, targeting tools and that, you know, kind of partnership around even within our ads, just helping advertisers tell the most compelling story is something that mm-hmm. is working really well. And yeah. I mentioned the the new product we're launching, the short form microfilm video, which is, um, you know, kind of a vertical format that can extend to social. So really it's become, we've become kind of a partner to our advertisers and helping them figure out how best to tell stories on our platform. Mm-hmm. And then that can maybe even carry over to others if if that's their objective. And and T Brand is a big group. It's a, it's about um, hundred people, and mm-hmm. uh, they're really they're, some of them were even journalists. They're um, they're 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 true creatives. A lot of them came from the creative agency side. So uh, mm-hmm. it's a really interesting area of our business and a and a big part of how we operate. Whether it be through those big kind of intensive partnerships or through these more kind of a la carte opportunities that are just really informed by insights and smart targeting. Yeah, for sure. So the New York Times, obviously, it's all it's there's tons of premium content to to choose from. But one of my favorite ways personally of uh, consuming the New York Times is through podcasts and audio. And I know that's been a really big bet for the publication. Talk about like, how does that factor into your sales strategy? Do you find that that almost like leads the conversation sometimes? Or is it is it something that, you know, you're is sold separately from the rest of the of the offering that you have? Uh, it's not sold separately. It, we sell everything together. So the idea is that, you know, w- there is one person for our partners to be able to kind of lock hands with and say, help us, you know, in whatever medium it is that the New York Times has offerings in and that the advertiser or partner brand wants to engage in. And so with mm-hmm. with audio, that's been a real uh, growth driver for us. And, and, and I'll say our kind of differentiator there is that it is premium audio and that we, we really are, um, 
quite scaled. And so we're able to take for advertisers the uh, kind of best practices that we've learned with all of the shows that we have from the daily, which is our lar- largest, obviously, to uh, many other podcasts that we have, Modern Love, Still Processing. We have a ton that are coming out this year. So we're constantly launching new content. We're the third largest podcast producer uh, out there today, and we've only been in the business for about five years. So, um, but, but the real differentiator there is premium. And I'd say we're also leaning very heavily into the breadth and depth in that area, um, mm-hmm. you know, of, of content. So, you know, crime, from crime, like true crime to culture uh, is kind yep. of, you know, just the range. You'll get everything. Um, and we have invested this year in new talent, um, if you're a podcast fan, and I know you said you were, um, there are a few that are that are going to be launching soon that are really exciting. We've got Lulu Garcia Navarro, who's going to do one on belief systems. We've got mm-hmm. Steed Herndon, who's got a new politics mm-hmm. podcast that's coming out. We have a even with the Daily, we have a new host um, alongside Michael Barbaro uh, in Sabrina Tavernisi. Uh, Kevin Roos. I was going to say, Sabrina Tavernisi. Yeah. I listen to her every morning. <laughs> you, yeah. Well, that one, that's our anchor. I mean, that podcast has, you know, over 3 billion downloads since uh, since launch. So it, it's really yeah. kind of scaled. And, and you know, I think the, the interesting thing about this, when I say breadth and depth, we, we don't have anywhere near as many, the, the volume of podcasts as other companies do. Right. But we have hits. We have really kind of scaled ones. And so, you know, leaning into just the highest quality, uh, the highest standards, you know, this, this kind of intensive, you know, audio programming that that's not inexpensive to do, but, um, but really the, I think there is a consumer need around, we think there mm-hmm. is a consumer need around, uh, this kind of premium audio space. And we're this year, we are growing our newsroom audio team. We're building our audio team out in opinion we, as, as you probably know, we acquired Serial. Um, we, yep. we also acquired a technology called Autumn, which I can talk about yep. if you're interested in that. We, um, we also have a strategic partnership with This American Life and Ira Glass, uh-huh. which is really exciting. He's been doing it for 25 years. Um, so just tons of great content there. Uh, we're also beta testing. Um, it, we're in private beta right now for an audio app. And that one is really mm-hmm. news, ideas, criticism, stories. So there's just a lot going on in this space. And that's, is that, yeah, is that audio app? Is that sort of where the Autumn acquisition comes in? Well, Autumn is uh, goes beyond the app. Actually, Autumn is really a newsstand of kind of narrated articles from lots of uh-huh. brands. So it's our brands and it's other brands. Um, as well. And uh, we've got, for example, on our core news app, we've got a listen tab, um, you know, where reporters are reading, um, uh, you know, the the story uh, for anybody who wants to listen to the app mm-hmm. rather than read the app. Um, we have a lot of things powered by Autumn outside of uh, just the audio app. But yeah, I mean, it's we, we see the need, the consumer need around listening mm-hmm. to stories. And so we've got all these different areas, whether it be podcasts, whether it be our audio app, whether it be kind of the autumn newsstand, or whether it be, you know, just kind of deploying listen tabs and functionality that enable people to listen instead of read if they want to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what other, like, obviously, media companies, they always have to you always have to be like 
changing the way that you're telling stories, right? Connecting with consumers on different mediums and the way that they want to consume. So what are you seeing? What else are you interested in right now? Obviously, video is huge for in general, but like, where are you seeing opportunities for the New York Times to move in and start, you know, telling stories in different ways and, and then maybe also bringing advertisers into that media. Yeah. I mean, one in particular that's been really kind of, we've been experimenting with it quite a lot recently is newsletters. Uh, they're kind of what's old is new again, I guess. But what's interesting about newsletters for us is um, the scale that we've been able to get. So the morning, I don't know if you subscribe to that one, but that's 17 million <laughs> subscribers. It's, it's basically more yeah. subscribers than people who watch like the top three morning shows combined. So it's wow. really quite scaled. And the idea there, I think, is whether it's with the daily or whether it's with the morning, we also have one called the evening. Um, it's about habits. It's about creating habits. I think more than anything else, our, our biggest competition is time, right? People's time. And so if we can kind of help them by, you know, serving them a newsletter every morning or giving them a daily podcast, like help them create the habit of the New York Times, that's their way in to the brand overall. And then the idea becomes how do we uh, get them to do more? Right. So if they're listening to the daily, for example, a big kind of um, objective of ours is to get them to listen to another show because, uh, you know, and, and actually recently we've had some success with this. We've doubled the number of people listening to more than one show that moves them, even though we don't charge for our podcasts and we don't charge for our newsletters. Some of them are wrapped into our subscription bundle for the for the digital subscription, but we don't charge mm -hmm. for them individually at this time. So the interesting thing is, how does that help drive them through the funnel to be able to want to become New York Times subscribers? And so that's yeah. a that the the morning the um, the uh, other kind of we we launched recently a. Um, a portfolio of talent-based newsletters with a lot of our journalists. Um, and those are subscription only. And we launched within that, we launched native ad experiences in that sub only portfolio. So it's 15 newsletters. Um, and we have over 50 in total, but 15 of the newsletters, uh, you know, we launched this native ad format that really is very much about looking the look and the feel of the newsletter. Mm -hmm. So if it's an image heavy newsletter, like our watching newsletter, then, you know, the native ad experience includes an image. If it's a text heavy newsletter, like the morning, then it's more text focused, right? So the idea is that it's complementary to the experience. It's very clearly demarcated as, you know, uh, uh, from a brand and people know that this is an ad, but the idea is how does it, how does it complement the experience and not kind of take away from it? Yeah. Well, I got to say the, the conversion strategies at least worked on me because I was reading uh, the cook the Sam Sifton's cooking newsletter for about a year. And I finally subscribed and I'm very pleased. <laughs> that is great. He will love to hear that. He has, he was one of the originals. He has over 3 million people subscribing to that newsletter. And uh, that boy, that team has built out a huge um, franchise for us in mm -hmm. cooking and in food. And we're actually going to be bringing back this fall. Speaking of another thing we're leaning into, we're going to be bringing back this fall, the food festival 
that um, was really Sam Sifton's brainchild. And um, Mm. we launched it in 2019 and it was very successful. We had over 55,000 people in Bryant Park. We had all these kind of tastings and chefs and um, experiences. And it was just really a a great celebration of of food and um, and culture. And then the pandemic hit. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. so now we're going to be bringing it back this fall for the first time since the pandemic. So really excited awesome. about the, the the cooking team and the what you know the kind of the IP around that. They've also built a um, a cooking studio, and there are a lot more cooking videos that have launched. Mm-hmm. Um, so check those out if you read his newsletter because we're there is a lot of content. It's really kind of three sixty coverage from from that platform. Okay. Well, I definitely will. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about, so obviously for, for advertisers, you know, buying into, you know, all like all of these great topics around news, like cooking or, uh, games like that, that's all brand safe, right. In the industry lingo, but the news just keeps getting more and more partisan and difficult to digest. We just had the, the, you know, the news break about Roe v. Wade yesterday, very political topics. Like, how are you like talking to advertisers around advertising in the news? I know that's sort of become a topic of concern um, since COVID advertisers are using a lot of block lists for certain keywords. Like, is this an issue that's coming up a lot for you and how are you dealing with that? Yeah, I mean, good question because yes, that is coming up and it's interesting though, it's coming up in a way that um, I think is really different than maybe it would have, you know, five or so years ago. Um, marketers did come to us and say, hey, we don't, particularly during the war, right? When the, when the Ukraine war launched and, um, you know, it's just really uh, hard, right? Hard like to, to watch some of the things and to see some of the things that are going on over there. And so advertisers came to us and said, hey, um, you know, we know now that the Times is scaled enough that you can kind of target us away from those sensitive moments, right? And so what we did was we had to rebuild a lot of plans in that moment. Um, and not so much anymore. I think when it first started, um, you know, and was, was you know, dominant, um, I think that was really important um, that we kind of find a place that could be brand safe, right? If they didn't want to be around that that war coverage, um, the the other side of it is that brands want to be in media that is original, independent, forgetting about the partisan side of it because that, like, you know, is 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 I think just not. Um, not where what anybody is 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 focused on on the marketing side right now. What they're focused on is reaching valuable audiences in ways that show that they care about information that is thoughtful and researched and factual, right? And so it's more, I'd say, more. It's about the benefit that we've gotten from this moment around misinformation um, and people knowing that they can trust what's coming from mm-hmm. credible news organizations, whether you're on the right side of things or the left side of the things or straight down the middle. Right. So that's where that's where I think that it's been interesting that brands have evolved. It's that they 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 want to be in news brands. They just want to be in safe places on those brands because they recognize that they represent something that is really important. Right. That, that, you know, Mm -hmm. the the kind of freedom of information and the freedom of the press. and, and, And that is key to, you know, our democracy and democracies around the world and and quite relevant right now. Yeah. So does that like, you know, sort of like 
you're still getting the the revenue from the brands. It's just in different places. Does that impact the business at all? Like if you're putting a lot of effort toward covering things like war in Ukraine and investing a lot in covering like Supreme Court decisions, like does it matter so much if the advertisers aren't showing up on that particular coverage if they're, yeah, if they're I elsewhere mean, to make up for it? Yeah, it's a good question. Another one. Um, we, I think where the times is different from others is that we are so scaled globally. We are quite large and we've seen in this moment People um, are like, for example, our travel content is through the roof right now. We can get you um, uh, some statistics on that. But people are clicking um, on our travel content because I think we, we are deducing that they want that escape. Our games content is through the roof right now. So there mm-hmm. are plenty of places to reach people on our site that are not necessarily next to a sensitive image or a sensitive uh, topic. Um, But I I will say, yeah, I think you're right. Like, you know, we always think about that, right? We would love to be able to sell out all of our inventory, right? And Mm -hmm. and to, you know, premium advertisers and in a a direct capacity. But but that's just not, you know, with billions and billions of of page views and impressions, like we, we don't have that problem right now. Yeah, that makes sense. So you've been um, you've been at a, a bunch of different media companies. Like, what do you sort of see as like some promising trends in the industry? Where do you see the 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 media business going? With there's tons of consolidation. There's this like move towards subscription. How do you see that playing out for the typical media and advertising like ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, it is an interesting moment, isn't it? Like we are still in this transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I see it as, and yes, I have been doing this for, I think I, I stopped saying how many years it actually was after 20 years. Cause I was like, it's just not productive to like say how many years I've been doing this. It's not, doesn't add anything to, to it. It actually, you know, is a little bit scary to me. Um, so I have, I've been, I've been lucky enough to be in this industry for a very long time. And, um, I've seen media companies at, you know, kind of the heyday of magazines, for example, I've been in Silicon Valley and been part of technology companies really grappling with and trying to understand uh, content, right? And uh, mm-hmm. now, of course, I'm at what I like to think of as kind of a hybrid. It's a it's a 170-year-old company that really acts like a technology company because we're so focused on innovation and our future. And it's really exciting. Uh, from, a, from a trends perspective, what I see is that um, the, the moment that we're in is, uh, is uh, critical. It's almost like it's all been, in my view, all been building up to this moment, you know, in, in the next year to two years, which is really kind of becoming responsible around our data and our obligation to consumers, not just out there saying, we can do everything, so we're going to, but mm-hmm. saying, hey, we know we can do everything, but what's actually the right thing to do here? And what mm-hmm. is performant for us? What do, what do we need to do to meet our objectives, right? And, um, and, and, and what should we maybe be responsible about not doing? And so, you know, data is, is really the, the first thing that comes to mind. But, but I think in addition, I also think of the opportunity around the the just the ad experience, right? The user experience mm-hmm. with ads, because the user is in control. We all know this, and um, you know if you don't 
if you don't create an, a digital experience that is compelling for readers, they will go somewhere else. And that moment mm-hmm. of truth is coming. And I think it's coming through regulation on the data side and it's coming through people voting with their feet right on the ad experience side. And so we're very focused on getting ahead of that. Uh, That is at the heart of our ad strategy here. And, you know, we know that like there is, there is a lot of money in, in digital kind of banner advertising. There was $150 billion or something, something close to that spent in 2021. So for us, it's about compelling experiences for ads. And if we create this healthier ecosystem, then I think it promotes, uh, original kind of content of the highest quality. And that is good for everyone. Mm, Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm excited to see what you do in your new role at the times and uh, how, how you guys are going to innovate on the ad experience and and all of that. But uh, thank you so much for, for joining me today, Lisa. Thank you, Allison. It was a pleasure. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.